The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, by Crossmark Services, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike, hey, how my are friend. you, buddy? I'm doing well. Hey, man, uh, quick story. Okay. Uh, before we get started, I just want to tell you a quick story. A quick story. Now, listen to me. Do you ever, like, sometimes you meet somebody and you're like, nope. Like, you're like, this is not my kind of person. You like, you're a nice person, right? You like everybody. <laughs> I, I try to like No, everybody. I mean, sometimes yeah. I meet people and I'm like, I uh, awkward. This, yeah. <laughs> this is not a thing. And then sometimes I, you know, most times I meet people like, I'm going to try to be an empathetic person. And then sometimes I meet a person where I'm like, I, we are finishing each other's sentences. So like this guy or gal or whoever, I'm like, I, I'm all about this person. Yep. That's our guest today. That, not the that, first one, but the second the, not one. Not the right. first one, or the second one. This is the third <laughs> one. This is my buddy, JC. How you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Man, I, that's, that's a, you're very kind. That's well, a very kind introduction. See, that's what I would say, too. It's like we're always finishing each other's sentences. sentences. Exactly. Right. And exactly. I'm going to finish his name, JC Derek. Derek. I'm sorry yeah. to see my boss correct me. Yeah. JC Derek. And JC, you and I became friends. I always refer to us as business cousins is how we know each That's other. Right. So yeah. um, we, we actually work in the same building, so we see each other. Uh, but our businesses are related, and so we end up bouncing things off of each other. And so, JC, really why I want to have you on the show today is I really just want you to talk about your work, because I find it fascinating. I want you to sort of share that story. Uh, but to give more context, why I talk about how... Uh, you and I get along, and I hope we get in my, in my head we get along. I hope oh, get along. we do. Absolutely, good. yes. Is that we both, um, I think, are uh, conservative guys. We're both Christian, kind of conservative that way, and yet we are both um, kind and loving, and we really, tr- we both value being in a relationship with people that have different points of views, and when we, we live in that space. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that accurate? Did I say that right? No, I think that's, that's fair, and I, I think that's, uh, uh, journalism is a space where you have to... Uh, you know, make room for, for, you know, you're covering the world as it is, not right. as you want it to be or anything else. You know, you're, you're explaining what's going on. You're telling the truth about the world in terms of this is what's happening in the world. And doesn't mean I agree with it. You know, there's all sorts of things going on, but, but it's to shine a light on important things that are happening uh, to be, as they say, the, the, you know, the first draft of history to, yeah. to get, get that information out there. So, well, JC, we're going to talk about how, you know, you're a journalist. I want to go right to that. Uh, but I was thinking about it the other day because uh, 9-11 is something I always really try to spend some time on, you know, like uh, right around it. I like to watch a documentary and things like that because I like to reflect on, you know, the loss people have. And mm. we respect them by by processing that. And so the other day I watched the um, uh, the recording of the live, uh, whatever it was, the Today Show yep. as it was happening. And one of the things that's fascinating about that is is the reporter's and how it was happening live, and they didn't know what was happening, and they were trying so hard not to speculate yep. and try to figure it out. And, man, if I could, like, meet somebody and shake their hand and give them a hug, it would be the, them, because they really, you could tell, like, the, it's unfolding. And the moment, like, when the second plane hits, and you could tell they're all like, uh, like, like the, where their head is going, but their but their responsibility. And so, you know, again, this is something, you're, you're a journalist, trained journalist, and so I think that's that mindset that I connect with. It's like, you are who you are, and yet 
you're empathetic and want to hear the stories as they come to you. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, one thing that gets lost is um, <laughs> journalists are real people. You know, right. surprise, you know, and, and they have thoughts and emotions and feelings. And I, I think um, because they're just numerically aren't that many in, in the country, I think most people probably have never met one, but they, they do experience all those same things. And uh, sometimes it is really hard to cover the news and do it in an empathetic way, but also kind of main, be a little bit detached from it as well, just for right. your own survival, you know. Um, it's almost like a counselor, you know, who can't, you can't take on all the problems that you hear about from your clients. Same, same with, with journalism well, or, or an EMT, right? Like if they're right. helping someone in a victim, they can't get overly empathetic to, to not get the job done. I, uh, Jennifer Griffin is a famous uh, reporter and she does correspondence and stuff. And she was covering after the tsunami and they didn't show it the footage, but she was standing there and she was surrounded by the bodies of children mm. uh, that had perished and she started crying. And I, I, I was grateful for that moment of like just sort of feeling her humanity, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was the thing Th- that footage that nine eleven footage I was just talking about. Somebody in the comments said, stop it at one forty one, and you'll see a fireman's reaction to the, the traits that are collapsing. And it was in watching this young fireman react and it just freaking out kind of way because he was realizing we can't save them. Right. You know, uh, but there is that balance. So anyway, back to you, JC. So you're a trained journalist. Well, that, that's your full get your occupation, correct? Cor- correct, it is. Uh, before we move off of 9-11, let me add one thing. Recently, Please. last three weeks, I've been listening to a book called The Last Plane in the Sky. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. It is a an oral history of 9-11. Mm. And you can read this book, but I would recommend, as I'm doing, listening to it because wow. you, you're able to hear um, these different perspectives and, and even going to like some actual footage of the news reporters you're talking about, you know, some of what they were going through on that day. Um, well, it's, it's fun- super fascinating. No. And on that the same thought, JC, like, you know, listening to people, some people said it was a 737. Some people said it was a small plane and you're like, well, how can that happen? Well, for people who do weren't alive and experience it, I remember my secretary saying to me, the planes were full of people. And I looked at her and said, that is not true. I just outright rejected it. It was like such an unthinkable thought, right? right. Yeah. And so um, anyway, that comes back to journalists. So go back. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, basically you're asking about my background, kind of trained journalist. So my pathway into journalism, um, I was, when I t- speak to students, I always tell them it's, it's about the least duplicatable way of getting into journalism you know, that you've ever heard of. So, not a direct path. No, no, not a direct path at all. When I was 18 years old, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And did not go to college right away. I was actually um, helping in a family business, uh, basically in sales, and um, had these ideas of going into business and doing all these things. And um, when I was 18, I, my my brother was on a baseball team that went to the the World Series, and I, you know, as part of the family, we went with them. I sent some stories back to the newspaper. They printed them and asked me to keep writing. So. You know, that happened the month I should have started college. Mm -hmm. So if I had started college, you know, that month and you had asked me what my major would be, I I don't know that journalism would have made my top 50. It Mm -hmm. just was nowhere near on my on my radar. Um, But as I got into it, started doing it, you know, young kid, you like seeing your name in the paper. And, um, you know, it's a great conversation piece. I found I had a talent for writing, which I'd never really liked writing, but I I found I could do it, particularly if I was writing something about something I liked. And um, I was a big sports fan. And so, so that worked well. And I was able to, uh, to, to start, I didn't go to college till for, 
till I was 24. So about five and a half years later, I finally started college. So yes, I'm a trained journalist. By the time I finished college, though, I had uh, 10 years of journalism experience. So it was it was kind of unusual. And at that time, I was actually thinking about moving out of journalism into more of a communications and PR direction, um, but then ended up, you know, sticking in the journalism direction and uh, did went did national politics uh, and education and things like that for about eight years became an editor and then and then um, have now come back to local journalism I, I like that story though because I think a lot of times uh, the non-fluid way you pick up skills along the way like you yes. do in sales that you really connect to people it's like mm-hmm. uh, my dad was a business person who went to Harvard that then became a pastor right but I think it also gave him skill sets to connect with people that maybe if somebody had gotten a bachelor's in like religion and then a theological degree, like mm-hmm. that's good, but it doesn't always able to connect to people where they're at. And as a journalism, your path probably helps you relate to people. It helps me relate to people, but it also has helped uh, from a business perspective in ways that I never could have imagined. And and this actually gets at sort of some of my theories about why the journalism industry has struggled over the last couple of decades. Um, it, it has faced the technological changes that have affected basically every industry, but it's been very slow to adapt. And my take on that is that I think it's because we have had a lot of journalists put in positions to make business decisions that they weren't necessarily always equipped to make. And so um, with my, not a ton, but still having been in the sales world and had a little business experience, um, it definitely has colored the way after I, you know, went through the, the, the content part of my career now being mostly on the business side, I've, I've picked up a lot of those lessons, um, from early on and it's really helped me. Let's talk about um, this real quick. I, I, uh, was an athlete in college in my senior year. Uh, I was on the captain's council. So it was the captain of every sports team at, at Florida state university. And so we'd meet and I was asking the other team captains, all the major sports. And I'd say, uh, what what percentage you would think is written about you, your team is accurate, and it mm-hmm. even could include what time is the game, kind of a thing, and we all agreed it was about fifty percent. Mm. About fifty percent was accurate. Mm. So I went that to the business world, and I would read articles and you know business articles, and I would be like, feels about fifty percent accurate, mm-hmm. and it was very frustrating. There was things that would happen. I have so many stories about like, oh my gosh, like not printing, you know, whatever. And I remember complaining to my PR guy at the time and he would say, well, John, they have more ink than us. You can't, you just got to let it go. And so then we move into this new era where like everybody's got ink, like everybody's mm-hmm. got ink. And in some ways that's like super awesome. In some ways it's terrifying, right? It, it is terrifying, terrifying because, you know, bad stuff gets out there. So um, uh, when we can, we're going to take a break, when to come back and really like, you know, you know how much I respect you. And so I would be like, okay, this is journalism not always respected like Mm -hmm. media not always respected and the question becomes is like how do we address that how do we get better and then how do we get back to having some media that we can rely on right absolutely all right good all right gonna take a quick break and be back at the crossman conversation Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. 
I'd like to thank Maynard, Cooper, and Gale, PC, for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally to serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. Once again, here is John Crossman. All right, we're back with journalist, (laughs) new reporter, media expert, uh, J.C. Derrick. I'm sorry I didn't get a better punch in the introduction. I was talking about our friendship, and I need to talk more about you. So tell me real quick um, your title and occupation today. Let's start with that. I'm the publisher of Main Street Daily News, Gainesville. Gotcha. And so in that role, you're doing what? You're covering what? Well, I don't primarily write anymore. I love content, um, but I oversee the the editorial operation and kind of in the loop on, on a lot of those decisions. But we have an editor, several reporters, correspondents who who mostly run the, the editorial operation. We I am mostly focused on the business side, um, which is, you know, doing everything I can to drive revenue on a variety of fronts. So obviously sales number one. But then we're also working on other revenue streams that will, you know, ultimately make us profitable and, and uh, I think diversify our revenue streams more than uh, the media industry has traditionally done. Well, this is one of the questions I want to ask you as a member of the liberal media is, that, are you looking to create chaos or just the general destruction of America? Which, oh, which of those man. two? Oh, uh, man. So trying... I'm going to, uh, uh, that's. If ever there was a leading question, that was a leading question. Okay. Well, you know, do I'm, you do you beat your wife once or twice a week? Yeah. How often is that? Did you stop? Well, the reason why I say that is like um, obviously that we have this mistrust, right? And like it's it's funny, I man. And when and I'll just and I'll tease Fox News because Fox News always will say the Main Street media. I'm like, guys, you are Main Street. Like you are. Like you're not an outsider. Mainstream media. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Correct. Like, yeah. Like you're you're part of that. So. My point being is like you're you're clearly not that. I mean, you're you're clearly like a guy that's just reporting. I mean, I say you're overseeing the reporting mm-hmm. of the news. That's what you're trying to do, and you're mm-hmm. you're telling stories. And so you've got to try to figure out how to like make sure you you walk that line and and connect to people in a meaningful way. So how are you doing that, Jason? 
That's a great question. I, I think this goes back to sort of my big picture ideas about journalism is that, you know, the, the mainstream media, well, let's just say the national media is is in crisis. You know, I mean, the, you've seen the, the poll numbers showing that Americans just do not trust um, not just mainstream media, but but national media in general, just the media as if it's a monolith. It's not, you know, it's, it's certainly there are there are good people in many organizations doing good work. But as a whole, the industry does not have um, a great reputation where there's a little bit of silver lining and where I am choosing to, you know, stake the rest of my career is is in local journalism. People do tend to trust local journalism, uh, local media more than national. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Number one is just, you know, you might see a local reporter, whether that be a TV reporter, newspaper reporter, in the grocery store, a, around town, you know, you, you, you have a chance to know these people. So they don't seem quite as foreign. That's one thing. Another thing is that we're actually reporting on things that are in your community. When we talk about the school board, you're like, oh yeah, I've been in that room. I've been to a school board meeting. I know that school board member or city commission or you name it. You know, you're covered. Oh, there's a wreck at the corner of this 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 intersection where I drive to work every day. You know, like you you recognize the people and the places, which I think just naturally builds a trust that, okay, someone's not making this up, you know. For those national stories, you know, the vast majority of people have never been to Congress. They've never been to the White House or, you know, all these different places. And it just it's so foreign that it's it's I think that really undermines the trust because it's happening in a place that is is not where most people are. Right. So I think that's a big thing is I believe that the future of journalism is is really, you know, our emphasis needs to be on local reporting, local news not only because that's where we can rebuild the trust of, of this institution that is very important to the future of our country, but also because that's where the majority of the important decisions that affect your life and affect my life happen. You know, it's not it's not coming from Washington. And people, I think, have been so trained by the national media to think that what happens in Congress or by, you know, from the president or whatever is the end all be all of our lives. But it's really not what happens at the school board, the city council, the mayor these types, the state level, those decisions are actually going to have a much bigger impact on your life than what happens at the national level. Well, when I get off um, contrail, let's talk about something a little bit more easy. January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, first off, I agree with everything you just said. And I and, and when you were saying it, what I was thinking about was 18-year-old JC, you know, that you've seen your name in the paper. And so you're able to give that to the 14-year-old that just, you know, broke a record for home runs or something Absolutely. like that. And the parents and grandparents want to see that. Uh, I did want to mention about January 6th is this, is that when the election happened and that, you know, it was in November and then there was that window of time and then actually January 6th, I completely missed that. I, I would occasionally have somebody say, well, you know, he's not, he's still going to be the president after January 6th. I would, I would hear that, like these pop-offs and I'd be like, what? And I, what are you talking about? Like, because it wasn't in my worldview. And then when January 6th happened, I was like mind blown. I was like, what is happening? And it really hit me that like, I'm not watching the same media as other people. Bingo. Like I, I right. was like not right. included. And so one of the things I personally did after that, um, and I'm, I, I'm dead serious. I mean this. I used to have XM radio. Now, now I don't. All I listen to is The Shepherd now, but I used to have XM radio. It's, this is true. And so I found the most liberal station, period. Uh -huh. And I listened to it like all the time, right? And I stopped and I found the most conservative one and listened to it all mm -hmm. the time. 
And, you know, there were moments with both that, you know, Eileen, obviously more conservative, so more connected with one the other. There were components where there was some truth. But man, oh my gosh, there would be things get said and you're like, what, what? Like yeah. what? And then there's no ability to have dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you're saying is like when it's local, it's not as extreme. And also there's dialogue, right? So there can be real conversation. So for example, if one of your reporters, you know, made a mistake or like got something off and then you're not a yelling match, but an actual human interaction, you can come up to a better situation. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I think that's that's a big part of it. Um, uh, there's also research that shows that when people consume national news, they just automatically think in partisan terms, mm. right, left kind of dichotomy. Whereas when they consume local news, they think like locals. So it has the ability to transcend some of those just knee-jerk reactions to run dry tribal corners, you know, um, because it does affect everybody, you know, whether it's development decisions or tax local taxing decisions or i mean just all these things um it is about hey what's best for our community that's just a whole different discussion than you know my tribe versus your tribe at the at the national level so i think that that also it just it kind of gets you out of out of that um that back and forth that feels kind of hopeless at the national level yeah i i like that jc because i think what you're doing and promoting is local healthy dialogue right mm-hmm. like you know i hear that it's like um Here's the thing I, I, I would have happen on social media. People would be like, oh, there was a Nazi protesting. And then like, it's like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's a white nationalist. Wink. That's a Republican. Wink. That's you. Right. <laughs> like, like right. that's where that thread's going. And so I would always be like, hey, like, that's awful. And by the way, I don't know. I don't know anyone that says things. Like, I'm surrounded mm-hmm. in a world of conservatives. I don't know anyone that uses the N-word. I don't mm-hmm. know anyone. Like, and and then when I say that, the response I would get was like, well, you're gaslighting. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to gaslight. I'm trying to say, right. like, trying to swell up into a space. And then it, but in that, in that big picture thing, right. there's no space for space, right? Right. Well, and, and this is where it's really critical where the, the media chooses to shine the light. You know, yeah. it's not that these things, and this is something when I speak to groups, I always remind, you know, like. I think it's really important that we remember what fake news is and what it isn't. Fake news is not anything I disagree with. Right. Okay? Right. It is making awesome. stuff up, which happens. Okay. Right. But, but it's not just a, a slightly maybe partisan or tainted or, or biased news article about an actual event. You know, with that said, bias is a serious problem on both, both sides, you know, the conservative media and, and liberal media tend to sort of, talk to their same sources and provide the same perspective. That's you know, about for, power. For, yeah. Right. Well, it's also about their base and money. Yeah. They yeah. know who, who reads them, who watches them and they, and they produce what will produce income. You know, I get it. Um, it's very tempting, but, um, but at the end of the day that creates these people who are in, in these echo chambers. And so what I wanted to get back to with what you just said there was how um, I don't watch TV news period. I, I literally get none of my news from from television. I think it's mostly entertainment. I encourage anybody who will listen to me, like turn off any TV news. It's not, oh, listen to this network and not that one. I'm like, just turn it all off. Just all of it. Just read the news. And I think the average person can catch up with what's going on in their world. A little bit of international, a little bit of national, a little bit of local, more local than the other two. But you could you could do that in about 20 minutes a day. And, and really understand what's going on in the world. Just a couple of like key maybe newsletters, roundups, kind of a summary from different perspectives 
that give you a, a feel for what's going on. You can you could totally do that. You know what I do every morning is I just call Mike. I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I just like yeah, whatever right. yeah, whatever Mike tells me. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> JC, uh, first off, thanks for being my friend. Sure, I appreciate absolutely. you. Um, and thank you for what you're doing. And so the work you're doing is in Gainesville. That's where you're, that's where you're it doing is. things. Yes. So, so we, we hope to, uh, you know, expand one day, but right now we're focused on Gainesville and really proving our model there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I try to do all I can when I have uh, Gators on here. We did, we've had uh, Jeff Driscoll and Danny Werfel and Absolutely. trying to get Tim Tebow, you know, so we're trying to have, right. you know, and every time we do, we try to get those over to you. And, and recently and, Mike got the old bowl coach. No way. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I did. I had Steve Spurrier. Wow. I, did not realize he was out of prison. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that too too strong? Yeah, so, wait, wait, wait. so so and and you have a shirt on right now that's for the is it the Florida State Criminals? Is that what wow. the oh, oh, wow wow yeah? Where's the where's my editor? This is my show, JC. This is not the Oklahoma whatever you people. I got that from a, I got that from a friend who's a Clemson fan. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Good luck with that. Go Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. We're way off track. What I want to say is um, thank you for what you're doing. And so people in Gainesville, check you out. Like, check out what you're doing. And the other thing I want to say is that, because I think you would you would want to say this, is that no matter where people are listening, because we have listeners are all over the country, is uh, check out their own local news. Absolutely. Wherever they are. Yes. So our friends that are in Cincinnati or Minnesota or West Texas, it's like, hey, check out, just check that out. Invest in your local news. Check it out and be an encourager and really try to dive into that space. Absolutely. And let me just add one more thing. There are local sites that can can be wild and crazy and, you know, yeah. you know, partisan and all the rest. So I think it's important to remember just a couple facts about lo- journalism in general. Make sure that these are, you know, sources, you know, they name their sources, that they are there's a byline on the story that there are, you know, that it's a, a balanced story that they're talking about actual facts and actual places. Um not fear-mongering conspiracy theories and the rest you no, know look I, I i believe this i think that all of us would do well if we have a friend in our circle that's a school teacher that's a er nurse uh that's a that's a pastor that's a you know i mean if you have people around you that are frontline facing you can get really good information to help you understand yes. that things anyway jason derrick thanks for being on the show man. thanks john great all talking right, with this you this is crossman conversation as always support your local hbcu This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.